Welcome to Chalk Bucket Radio. For episode three today, I went ahead and switched it up and had uh, two different segments. Uh, the first segment, we discussed nutrition and fueling for workouts. And then in segment two, we talk about your core. Um, thank you for tuning in. I hope you really enjoy the episode today. Enjoy. Welcome to Chalk Bucket Radio, where we have a small conversation related to health and fitness. Your work has the water cooler where everyone gathers to talk about the latest news and information. But in the gym, we have the chalk bucket where in between sets, you and your friends discuss the latest information in health and fitness. Chalk Bucket Radio. One of our jobs as coaches is to close gaps that limit performance, not create them. Chalk Bucket Radio. Probably the biggest mistake I see in athletes is their struggle with the process. They want results, they want them now, but they don't want to do the right things to get them. Welcome to Chop Bucket Radio. Your host is my dad. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. I know there's a lot of options out there for your ears, and uh, I'm actually really humbled to know that you've chosen to tune in and listen and uh, really appreciate that. A couple questions I wanted to answer as we get started today was I've had quite a few people uh, ask and inquire about uh, my intro music. The song is River Bottom on the album Holy Smokes by Jonathan Tyler. Um, He's a local artist to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, I believe that he has a concert coming up April 13th down in Dallas, the Homegrown Music and Arts Festival. So um, if you like that song and want to hear more of his music, you can obviously tune into um, iTunes or Spotify or Pandora, wherever you get your tunes at. Uh, but if you want to, if you're local to the Dallas area, you can check him out. Uh, April 13th, the Homegrown Music and Arts Festival. And side note, he does happen to be my brother-in-law. So um, really like his stuff. Uh, I know a few of y'all have gone to his concerts, uh, but really good music there. Also, a little shout out to my sons who have helped record the intro. Still playing with a couple things here, so you'll probably hear that change a little bit. Uh, but that's uh, my two boys, Dawson and Graham. Um, so we're going to go ahead and jump right on into things. The last uh, couple episodes, episode one, episode two, we talked about fitness and how just focusing on your performance can really be become a very dangerous thing, you know. And and what I mean by Focusing just on performance is just allowing a number of repetitions or how much weight or how far or how fast you did something be the only thing that you care about, be the only thing that you shoot for that you're, um, you know, and I'm not talking about wanting to see improvement as much as your sole focus is just on numbers in the gym, numbers of your performance, you know, and then you minimize your focus or minimize your emphasis on things like sleep, nutrition, stress regulation, um, that you only find value in heavy squatting or long runs. Um, and you spend no time working on improving your squat technique or counting your calories or, um, looking at that bigger picture. And so wanted to spend a uh, few minutes today and, uh, 
our segment, first segment here, segment one, talking about um, food and what that really can do for you from a performance standpoint. And so we're going to go ahead and move right on into segment one. So uh, what we want to think about when we look at performance is performance is one of the hardest factors to control where your sleep, your food, and your recovery, and recovery being like foam rolling, stretching out, working on joint, joint mobility, that kind of stuff. Um, the recovery, the sleep, the food, those are things that are actually really easy for you to control where your performance is not that easy for you to control. So right now we're week one of the CrossFit open in 2019. And the first workout that came up for the open was a 15 minute AMRAP of 19 wall balls and 19 calories on the rower. And so, um, I, I always laugh at these debates about this is a workout for a tall person, or this is a workout for a short person or whatnot. Um, and so if you put all of your like focus, all your emphasis, all your value in yourself, um, as an athlete purely into a performance, um, but then the, the, the workout put before you, um, allow somebody else to beat you based on maybe your height. I will, I will agree that if you're taller, you're going to be a little bit better at rowing theoretically. And if you're taller, your wall ball will appear to be easier. I'll, I can also argue that your squats longer, but, um, there's some things, some factors in there that you can't control, but as a grown adult, specifically for a lot of my population listening to this, um, you have the financial means to choose what you eat. You have uh, the financial means to kind of sleep um, when you want to. And those things are controlled every day. So if you're sick and you can't go to the gym because um, you've got, let's not even say a stomach virus. Uh, let's just say you have strep throat or something like that. Um, you still get to choose your food. Uh, you may not have that much of an appetite, but you get to choose that food you also get to choose your sleep to some some degree, and I know like we're discussing being sick, and maybe you're not tired or you're too tired or whatnot. Um, but you cannot go to the gym if you're contagious, or you should not put it that way. So if all of your focus is just on performance, um, you're going to kind of be left out to dry. Now, one to spend uh, segment one here talking about food and. How can food help fuel us? And so when we look at fueling for exercisers, a couple different things we want to look at. First, we want to look at the length of the workout. And so um, our body has different energy systems. We have three energy systems. Um, and the two that we're going to talk about today are the oxidative and the glycolytic. And so as we exercise, the harder we work out, well, anytime we exercise or we move, it costs our body energy, i.e. our body needs calories or burns calories. Um, which is just a unit of energy. And so the harder we work, the greater the cost, the lighter we work or the easier we move around, the less the, it costs us less. All right. So if you're vacuuming the house, fewer calories are exhibited. If you're walking the dogs, more calories will be exhibited. If you're running with the dogs, more calories would be, um, used. And so, the more intense our work is, the more calories we need. Now, 
one of the things we want to make sure of is uh, we want to balance our intake with our activity. Um, and so there's a couple ways to do that. The best way would be find some someone that works in the nutrition field that has a way to test your metabolism, get with them. They can test your metabolic rate and really help you out from um, with that. But we know that the harder we work, uh, the more fuel we need. We also know that um, these hard, fast, and heavy efforts really drain you. And um, if we're underfueled, that's really going to mess with our hormones. That's going to really fatigue us out for the rest of the day. That will fatigue us for the next couple workouts possibly. And our body will begin to utilize current muscle tissue for fuel because it's underfueled. Now in our latter intensity days, it is easier for our body to recover. It's not as hard on our body. And um, we're most likely not going to dive into muscle tissue for energy because we haven't expended as much. Um, so we have these hard, fast, heavy efforts, um, and those fall into the glycolytic um, energy system. Now, um, side note, we have the three energy systems, critin phosphate, the glycolytic, the oxidative, these three energy systems are always present when we're working out. One is just way more used or utilized way more than the other two. Okay. So I'm not saying the other, when I speak of an energy system, I'm not saying the other two are just not functioning. They're just functioning at a, a much slower level or lower level. So this hard, fast, heavy effort. So, um, you know, think like a 400 meter sprint, think of, um, a set of five back squats, that those are exhausting efforts and thus they cost us a lot of calories. So we want to make sure on days where we have something along those lines, that's going to leave us, um, really out of breath constantly. Um, then we want to make sure we have carbohydrates to support that, um, on those latter intensity days, um, where we're able to breathe constantly the whole time. We're not really huffing and puffing, um, very often the, conditioning work that we're doing is going to be well over 10, 12, 15 minutes long. Sure that we're fueling that day with, um, more dietary fat, maybe a little bit or no extra carbohydrates. I should say not, I wouldn't say low carbs or, or no carbs by any means, but just our normal carbohydrates. Once again, consult somebody in the nutrition field uh, that knows what they're talking about, um, you know, get some very specific numbers for your body and your needs. Um, but knowing that a hard, fast effort requires carbohydrates, a lighter intensity day requires uh, fewer carbohydrates, then that can really help us understand how to fuel our body and how to focus just a little bit on our bodies or our nutrition, I should say, to help our body have a better performance. Now, um, oxidative energy system, um, we talked about is this kind of lighter intensity day. Um, and why it's called oxidative is because it uses energy to help make oxygen. I'm not going to get into the Krebs cycle and ATP production because that's all boring stuff for most people. But in short, you're, when you were able to breathe through our nose and ever so often 
take a breath through our mouth, we are utilizing oxygen to make energy for our body to do something. So I, I talked about uh, walking the dogs earlier. You're able to close your mouth outside of yelling at your dogs maybe or whatnot um, to breathe the whole time. You can breathe through your nose, which allows your body to work in that oxidative state. As we begin to pick up a run and we can no longer just breathe through our nose, we're having to consume through our mouth, we're now moving into a glycolytic energy system. So the glycolytic, the faster activity, demands carbohydrates so quickly, our body bypasses the need for oxygen and utilizes glucose to then make fuel for our muscles. All right. Now, whenever we run out of that fuel in our muscles, or whenever we run out of the ability to continue to work, we will naturally self-regulate and slow ourselves down. Okay. And so we slow down and then all of a sudden we're able to breathe through our nose. So if you think of like old school recovery techniques of, you know, hands over your head, close your mouth, breathe in and out through your nose. Um, whoever's telling you that is trying to get you to get back to utilizing an oxidative energy state. Now, the, the faster we can move in and out of glycolytic and oxidative, it is argued that we have a better recovery ability. So if you think of someone that can go really hard, really fast, slow everything down and then pick that back up again, um, they would be, you know, people would say, Hey, this person has a high level of recovery or high rate of recovery. Now, this is also one of the reasons that interval training is utilized where you work for a little bit and rest for a little bit. And the point of interval training is to give you enough rest so that you can come back and produce the same effort. All right. Now every recovery or sorry, every uh, interval training day is going to look different and whoever's programming that should have some specific numbers in mind. Um, but you know, depending on if we're in the oxidative state, for the most part, it's going to be like, you're going to run for 10 minutes, rest for five minutes. That's just an example. It would actually be longer, um, for oxidative, but it's going to be for every two units of work, you're going to have one unit of rest. When you talk about glycolytic, it's usually flipped. And so for every one unit of work, there's two units of rest. So if you have a hard, fast effort, you should need to rest longer so that you can turn around and repeat that. So knowing a little bit about these energy systems should help inform you about how you could feel specifically for workouts um, and really kind of take control of some of your nutrition. Um, that's just one snippet um, of how fuel, food can be good fuel for your body. Um, and that's going to wrap us up here for segment one of episode three. And we're back here for segment two in episode three of Chalk Bucket Radio. I'm your host, David Nichols. And today we're going to be talking about your core and what is core strength. And so something that was um, a concept that was introduced to me about 11 years ago, a little bit over, um, was that we should dial in movement. Once we've dialed in that movement, we're going to dial in consistency of that movement and then dial in intensity. And so that was something I learned learned in my CrossFit level one. Um, the concept itself wasn't new, but the terms or the how it's worded was really new to me that we want to strive for good movement and then consistency in that movement and then intensity in that movement. And so um, thinking about this, I wanted to touch on what is the core. And so a lot of people 
don't view the core as what it is. Everybody sees it as a six pack, um, sexy abs kind of thing or skinny, but your core is your muscular structure that either flexes or extends your spine or holds that spine from flexing or extending. And in essence, it's shoulder to shoulder, hip to hip and everything in between. And so when we start thinking about our spine, um, and how we want to stabilize that, that would be our core strength. And when it comes to core strength, we have two different, um, factors that we want to consider the tolerance or the the amount of weight and the capacity, how much volume of training, uh, can our spine take? And so, um, those terms come from Dr. Stuart McGill's book. Um, and he's got several books out there, but the one I'm referring to is back fit performance. I think that's the name of it. I've got it sitting over here and, uh, can hit you with the correct title. Yes, it's ultimate back fit and performance. And so, uh, Dr. McGill, uh, is world renowned as a back expert in performance training. And, um, so his book I've really been diving into and learning a lot, super smart guy. Um, but he, he uses the term tolerance and capacity. And so uh, I think of it as load and volume. So tolerance is the amount of load your spine can take. Capacity is the volume of training. And so he has a quote in here, and I'm going to read it. This is on page 12. Make sure I'm doing all my correct uh, sight, sighting of people. But ideal training occurs when both tolerance and capacity are increased together with perfecting form and ultimate performance, ultimately performance. And so, um, that should not be eye opening to anybody, but, um, it might really be some, a new way that we've heard this said, but your ideal training is when both the load and the volume are increased together, but only with perfect form. And then ideally that's going to move into or ultimately that's going to move into increased performance. And that's true. And so I see often that we either struggle with as athletes, the appropriate tolerance or the load, or we struggle with the capacity, the volume of training. And so we either have too many reps throughout the week, the month, the year, or we have too much load at a singular time. And so when those two things are off, we end up compromising that spine. And so, um, when we start thinking about the core, how does it work? Why does it work? And how can we make it better? Those are kind of some questions that you probably want answered. And so, um, our core works to stabilize. I make rigid, stiff, and virtually immobile the spine. So we, we, our core is designed to hold the spine now there, because there's so many muscles that are involved, there are muscles that do flex the spine. There are muscles that extend the spine, but overall, when we talk about, um, a training performance setup, your core works to stabilize the spine. And so, um, mainly this is mainly done through isometric holds carries, and that's really about it. Most people view core work as sit-ups and crunches but those are mainly going to work hip flexion or your hip flexors. So um, anything that you do that brings your knees and your chest together are going to have a high, high load on your hip flexors as well as your rectus abdominis or your middle ab muscles, your six pack. Um, 
but it's not going to do a whole lot for your core overall. So um, if we know that um, our core's goal is to stabilize the spine through all range of motion, we want to improve that the best we can. And one reason we want to improve that is because as our spine is stable, as our core is locked in solid, we will be able to generate more power and more force regardless of the movement. And so I think that's key because if we can generate more power and more force, we will improve our performance. And as we create this very, very stable spine, we will see improvements in things like squatting, rowing, and deadlifting. Those are the three examples I've written down. So most people would not say that their core is stronger than their, their legs. They would, they would say, my legs are stronger than my core. And I think that's an accurate statement. Most people's legs should be. However, if we think about a squat, for example, so we're doing a back squat. We've got a bar loaded onto our back. As we squat down, or as that bar is loaded on our back, that load is compressing on our spine. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, now, as long as the tolerance, the load, and the capacity, the number of reps can be handled, our back will stay in a neutral position. But as we begin to load that bar to a tolerance our, our spine can't handle, or our core, sorry, or we begin to work repetitions or capacity that our spine our core can't handle, our back will round. And so the solution is not to grind out more reps. The solution is not to, um, you know, go get a weight belt or something along those lines, although a weight belt can be handy. Uh, The solution isn't $200 pairs of lifting shoes. Uh, The solution isn't louder music. The solution is adjusting the tolerance, the load, and adjusting the capacity to fit what our core can handle. As I said just a moment ago, no one will say that their legs, or sorry, their core is stronger than their legs. So if the legs are stronger than the core, then the weak link to a heavy back squat will most likely be your core. So if we strengthen the weak link, you will almost always improve performance. So how do we strengthen the weak link? Well, once again, we're going to look at isometric holds and carries. Uh, We are going to mimic as best we can what we need our core to do while under that heavy load. Now, why don't we look at something like rowing? So uh, while we're on the rower, one of the number one things that I see, and I saw it like crazy this week in the CrossFit Open 19.1 rowing and wall balls, um, is people rounding their back to the catch position, which is getting the handle back to Uh, the rower. And so instead of hinging through their hips, they round through their back, which then actually makes the spine less power, less stable, which then does not allow your hips to generate more power. And thus we don't get the performance we could. Now, I think one thing that gets lost when it comes to rowing is just being able to get on the rower and suffer and just get being able to get on the rower and move and get out of breath and row really fast time does not mean that that's appropriate. Does not mean that that is a good thing. You know, suffering in a poor technique is not an admirable quality. You know, 
Uh, suffering with poor technique is actually really easy to do because that means less thinking and less adherence to uh, positioning. You know, that's just closing your eyes and going. And over time, that's going to be dangerous. Uh, why would that be dangerous in rowing, Dave? Because there's no load. True, but if you think about um, if you're rowing 30 strokes a minute and you're on the rower for half of a 15-minute workout, you're looking at 150 strokes. Easy. You know, 150 repetitions of poor technique. 150 repetitions where your body was leaking energy through poor technique instead of gaining energy. So if we're able to stiffen our core to stabilize that spine, yes, initially that row may be slower, but over time you will be stronger. Uh, in Dr. McGill's book, they did a um, hooked up a couple or hooked up a guy to um, some a testing machine that tests the activation of muscles. And he also did a static deadlift. So he's just pulling on a stiff bar on a machine that doesn't move. And with a stiffened, properly set spine, he was, between all the pulls that he did, 25 to 40% stronger with the proper technique. And I think that's just something that we need to let kind of marinate on in our minds right now is that better technique leads to a better performance. It is, it is really easy not to see that. It is, it is really easy to um, not want to take that one step back to take two steps forward. Um, I've been there before. When you are able to pull 400 pounds on a deadlift, but then your back screwed up for three days, five days, six days, you know, 10 days, that's not it. There's no glory in that. And too often that 400 pounds will get thumbs up and liked on Instagram. Um, but two, 375 pounds wouldn't, you know, and I want us to think about worrying more about what is the tolerance and capacity of our spine and our core. And then how can I self adjust that taught my workout to the tolerance and capacity? Um, if you're going to a gym, that has coaches there that know you as an athlete, they probably have those questions or they should have those questions. Um, you know, too often we have, you know, five by five, 70% locked in our head and we don't take into account everything else that has occurred in our life. Did you pull weeds all weekend hunched over? Did you, uh, I remember for me one year, um, I was so ticked off that, um, you know, I, I had a poor lifting performance one Monday and then I realized that my father-in-law and I had thrown about 60 bags of corn um, up at the Deerleys that weekend. And uh, that's about 3000 pounds of corn there. Um, and that's a, that's a crap ton of corn to be moving around and didn't ever consider that when I couldn't hit my numbers on Monday. So a, in, in finishing this up about the core, a healthy back and a high performing back will depend highly on functioning hips. So we do have to take our hips into account and we'll touch on that in an upcoming episode. So uh, back to our focus of the core, what can we do to help stabilize it? Um, make our spine rigid and stiff. We already talked about it. Uh, isometric holds and carries. And so um, 
here's here's something that you could do. Once again, I think you should uh, obviously be in contact with your doctor, be in contact with your personal coach. But three to four days out of the week, um, pick a carry. So that could be a suitcase carry, which is a, a, a load down in one arm. A farmer carry, which would be a load in both both hands. Or an overhead carry, and you could do one arm overhead or two arm overhead. Pick one of those. Stabilize your spine as you move a distance. When you get to a distance that you feel like you need to turn around, turn around and come back. All right. 50, 100, you know, 50 feet, 100 feet, 100 yards. Make it a distance that um, you're going to have to work to stay stable, switch hands if need be. Um, Then pick a hold, pick a hollow hold, side plank, bird dog, regular plank, and hold that. not all the way to failure, but stop it a little bit short of failure. Make sure when you're doing a hold, you're actually holding your abs. You're bracing your core just like you would when you're squatting, just like what you would when you're deadlifting. Are you flexing your abs? Are you holding your back tight? Are we squeezing our glutes? Um, and then I'd pick one glute exercise, maybe banded good morning, a hip bridge, single leg hip bridge, uh, hip extensions, um, uh, a pull through. Um, but pick something that's going to work glute specific. And then there's your workout three to four days a week. Pick a carry, pick a hold, pick a glute. Um, as far as the glute work, do high volume reps somewhere in that uh, three sets of 20, 25, 30 reps. And then rotate through. So you're going to carry, you're going to hold, you're going to glute and do that uh, three to four days a week. Uh, this is going to build a solid foundation for you then to build the rest of your work capacity on. This is not three to four days a week to get a six pack. I'll be quite honest with you. This is three to four days a week to allow you to train at a level to burn the calories that you're already worrying about because you're caring about your nutrition to burn the calories, to burn off the excess body fat to then show a six pack. Excuse me. This is not Dave's tips to six pack. Those tips are know what you're eating, eat less crap and go to bed earlier. Um, and drink less alcohol. Those are what you need to do for a six pack. But anyhow, uh, that's going to wrap us up for segment two here. And we're going to move into our habit challenge. All right, here we are for habit challenge on episode three here. So the last two weeks we've habit number one was go to bed early, earlier. So 15 minutes earlier. And then habit two is no technology 15 minutes prior to that bedtime. Habit number three, we're now going to move to the morning and we're going to begin a morning ritual. Every morning, one of the first things I want you to do is wake up and write three things that you're thankful for. Um, This can be everything from you're thankful for life to a spouse, to your kids, to whatever. What are three things that you're thankful for? And then I want you to think about those three things. Maybe you write them down on a note card and you carry that note card with you throughout the day. And I want you to look at that note card several times throughout the day. And every time you do, go ahead and put a tally mark on there. All right. Um, I would like to see your list of three be different every day. All right. So habit challenge number one, if you're just now tuning in was go to bed 15 minutes earlier. Um, habit challenge number two was no technology 15 minutes prior to that bedtime. And now habit challenge number three is write down three things that you're thankful for every morning. And that's going to wrap us up here for episode three of chalk bucket radio. I really do appreciate you tuning in. It is uh, very fun to uh, get to sit behind the mic and do this, and it's even more fun to see that people are actually listening. So if you have any questions, feel free to ask them, 
I'm mainly utilizing Instagram, but at Chalk Bucket Radio. Hope you have a great day. Time.